What is going on everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have the founder of Shutterstock, John Oranger. John Oranger is an American programmer, photographer, and billionaire businessman, best known as the founder and CEO of Shutterstock, a stock media and editing tool provider. Oranger started his career while a college student in the 1990s when he created one of the web's first pop-up blockers. He went on to found about 10 small startups that used a subscription method to sell personal firewalls, accounting software, cookie blockers, trademark managers, and other small programs. In 2003, Oranger founded Shutterstock to provide micro-stock photography, which has now been publicly traded on the New York Stock Exchange since 2012. As a result of going public, in 2013, Oranger was reported to be New York's first tech billionaire. This conversation that I had with John Oranger was absolutely incredible. We spoke about what he learned after being a CEO of a publicly traded company for over 16 years. And if you didn't know, he recently stepped down as CEO as of April 1st, 2020. And we spoke about what he's now doing and where he's spending his time and what he's looking forward to as the economy has recently changed in such a dramatic way. So that being said, make sure you take a moment to subscribe to the Rise of the Young podcast. Share this episode with a friend that you believe would enjoy it. And last but not least, enjoy the show. What is going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, we have the founder of Shutterstock, John Oranger. Thanks so much for coming on, John. Thanks for having me. So um, I know we've been back and forth on Instagram for quite some time, and um, you recently stepped down as CEO after 16 years. And I'd love to start the conversation because you've had such an incredible ride with Shutterstock. You guys not only you not only built such an amazing company, but your story as an entrepreneur is phenomenal. And I want to take the time to uh, address just why did you decide to step down and what has life been like since that decision? Yeah, so, so I started Shutterstock in 2003. I had started 10 other companies at the same time. I was trying to find one that can get some traction. Um, I wasn't planning to build anything super big. I was, I was a kind of one man show. I was a programmer. I was a entrepreneur. I was kind of a online marketer yep. I was, uh, and I kind of wore all the hats. I did the customer service. I, I took the photos. I recruited the photographers. I, I, uh, did the marketing emails. I improved the site. I was kind of doing everything myself. And, uh, I started to kind of learn what I was good at and what I wasn't. Yep. Um, if you asked me back then, if, if, if 16 years, 15 years later, I'd be running a public company, I would have said, absolutely not. Like that was my skill set at the time. But what happened was every time a new challenge kind of came up, I wanted to take it. So we got to a hundred employees. I kept going. We, uh, we went global and had multiple offices around the world. Kept going. We had more, more product lines, kept going. It was kind of working. Yeah. Um, what, uh, uh, started to happen though, um, well, we went public and I figured, yeah, I'll be a public company CEO. Why not? Yep. Um, how hard could that be? Um, <laughs> and so I just kind of kept going with it. Um, uh, but what started to happen was we started to add more employees, add more complexity. The competitive environment was getting more, 
um, uh, complex. Our customers' needs were getting more complex. We had so many different types of customers from independent graphic designers, independent businesses, one-man shops, all the way up to the biggest companies on the planet. Um, and I started to realize I was a bit out of my skill set. This was 14 years in. And okay. so I started building my team in a way that I had some succession planning. I could I could uh, start to offload stuff I wasn't good at. Managing a thousand employees around the world is a different skill set than starting a company yeah. from scratch. Very interesting, man. When it comes to just recently with the transition, um, you, you talk about, you know, you started, started Shutterstock by accident. What was that process like in your life back then when you had 10 different projects going on and why did you decide to, you know, stick with Shutterstock and go all in there? So it had to do with traction. I was solving my own problem. So I was a software developer. I was building software. I needed to market the software. So I would, I would, get images, I would take images. Like I had, I had a security uh, uh, software product line, right? Pop-up eliminator would, would kill the pop-ups. Okay. The spyware protector would delete the spyware as it was coming yeah. onto your computer. Um, the firewall would, pro would protect you from traffic kind of coming in that wasn't supposed to come in. Um, these things would run in your browser and they would kind of uh, keep you safe. This was 1997, right? Um, the company was called Surf Secret. I needed images. I would take them because they were too expensive. I needed images I can use globally. The images that were sold online at the time by the incumbent competitors we still have today um, were, uh, were only allowed for to be used specific geographic areas. This was the internet. Yep. It was global. So I started taking pictures of like people frustrated, punching their keyboard. I hate these pop-ups, right? And I would create the, the marketing email and I would, I would send this thing out. Um, and, and I realized that, that the images like sold the thing. It, yeah. it was like, it was the thing I was using to communicate and, um, there wasn't a really good product for this. So I didn't realize I was going to be the one that would, that would, that would take traction over surf secret, but turns out Shutterstock was the one that started growing and started doubling every single month in 2003, 2004. Wow. Um, and I started to realize that I really hit on the product market fit, which is the key starting any business really absolutely what was the most challenging part of being a ceo of a publicly traded company with over a thousand employees well yeah it, there, there's a there's a lot of a lot of challenging parts i mean the biggest challenge i found was 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 managing the company for the super long term which you have to do yeah. as a company to be successful and also managing um the quarterly expectations mm -hmm. of of wall street um, and often they don't align, right? You have people coming in and out of your stock and, and, and they may not be happy with what you're doing, which is running a long-term sustainable, building a durable product, yep. running a sustainable business. Um, and and that's, that's a hard balance. Um, it's a hard balance to have. Yep. Business. Any, cool. Every public company has, this, has that same exact problem. It's hard. Interesting. When you were, you know, 18, 19 years old, what got you into software development and where did that entrepreneurial drive come from? I was, um, from a really early age, I was obsessed with, with, um, with how businesses were formed and entrepreneurs and how they, how they built what they had. Um, I remember, you know, when I was really young going to, you know, one of the first Apple 
Apple, it was called Apple Fest. It was, um, it was, you know, like, like a conference for computing. So, so Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, like these, these were like people I was, I wanted to like reverse engineer how they did what they did. Um, and so I remember thinking, you know, I was in high school, I was in college, like, I don't want to just go out and get a job. I want to be, uh, I want to hack, hack my way into figuring out how to do this. And so um, I, I just, I read everything I could and then it just came down to trying it. I just yeah. built, I knew that programming is kind of a superpower uh, early on and, 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 and I taught myself it, um, and it really, I mean, it gives you, it gives you this, um, this, this, this skill set that allows you to take what you're thinking and like multiply it by, by, by a lot. Um, and so as I started to, I just get, I just get really got hooked on it. Um, and then I wanted to just sell things on the internet and I was just trying to figure out how to, how to, how to sell stuff. Love that. What's your advice to an entrepreneur who's launching a software company? What should they look out for? And what's your advice to them? Yeah, I would say that. So a lot of people have an idea. They put together a deck, they find a co-founder and then they go out and they try to, you know, here's the round I'm raising and they, they go out and they raise money. I, I, um, for better or for worse, I mean, I don't know what would have happened if, if I had if I had the opportunity to actually raise money. But you know, in New York in 2003, after September 11th, after the dot com bubble burst, there was no one giving anyone money to start something on the internet. So it, it didn't exist. So I, I I had to be good at everything. I had to, and the things that I wasn't, I knew I wasn't good at, I did it anyway. Like I'm not a good customer service person. I can't like, but but talking to my customers was one of the most important things I did really early on because I was able to iterate on the product really quickly. Um, I wasn't, you know, I'm not a designer. So the website looked, looked really bad. I mean, you can go in the Wayback Machine and there are some bad Shutterstock versions from back in 2003, 2004, 2005 that, that, that were online, but they worked because I was fast. I would iterate and I would react um, really quickly to what my customers wanted. Um, and, and so I think, there's, there's like a different dynamic there when that happens, when like you have to figure it out yourself. Even today, I go back and I think about those times and I still am able to, I think, connect to the customer in a different way because of the, those early experiences uh, that I had. Um, and I think those are, those are important. So I would say to any entrepreneur, just, just be every job in the beginning. Like yeah. Take it all on yourself, even though you're not going to be good at some of that stuff. Yep. You just the learnings early on are going to be so important. And today you can do it cheaper than ever. You can AWS. Like I had to go rack servers in a data center. Like today you can just go on AWS and, and, and bing, you have five servers. Like that didn't happen back then. And so it's so much easier today. I mean, with that comes a lot more competition. Of yep. course. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you just for reference too, because you know, when you launched Shutterstock in 2003, I was three years old. I'm 19 now. And the landscape has shifted when it comes to the way people launch companies with all the access and technology. So if you were to launch a company today with the resources, where do you start and what are you excited about moving forward into this new chapter in your life? Yeah. Well, it's a lot more crowded today, but at the same time, there's a lot more users. I mean, in 2003, you didn't have everyone on the internet. It wasn't <laughs> even close. You had small fraction of people um, uh, uh, using a browser, right? So um, you have today you have to move fast. 
Today, you probably do need to re raise money, but you should still follow that principle of, of, of actually doing each job yourself um, because the, that combination is going to be really powerful to like really have that connection to the customer early on and also have enough uh, dry powder in terms of cash to, to really um, expand into the space because it's so much bigger today than back then. So I, I think you can mix those two things together. Um, you know, you don't have to say, look, I, I, you know, I don't know how to create a website, so I'm just going to hire a team to create a website. But it's, it's that it's actually changing the elements on the website as you're listening to your customers and what they need. That's going to be the key to really iterating fast and, and, and getting somewhere big. Love that. What's been just the, when it comes to leadership, right? Building a team, going from someone that's trying to do everything, learning all their skill sets. When did you start to delegate and focus on your strengths and how do you advise an entrepreneur to do that? Yeah. Well, I probably, I've probably been bad at delegating since the beginning. I just, <laughs> skill set. I, I, I wish I had more of, um, you know, the, the ultimate delegation is hiring a CEO though. So I did it. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Um, but early on it took, it was hard. It's hard. Cause you know, you build this thing, you know, the customer, you like, you, you're, you're doing everything. It's live or die. Um, and, and handing that off to someone else is hard, but it's really hard to scale if you don't do it. I mean, there were times that, that I was really just like, there were no more hours left in the day. Like, that's not good. You can't do that as an entrepreneur. I would not recommend that. But, um, you know, the second you can, you can kind of take something, mechanize it, hand it off. That's when you should hand it. Once you have it like compartmentalized into something that can be like handed off, you have to do it. You have to do it to scale. It's hard. I have to ask you just, what would you say are three fundamental business principles that you've learned through your journey that you'd want someone to learn today? Yeah. So, so I would, I would, I think it's do every job yourself. I think it's in the beginning before you delegate, just so you know, you, you know, you, you're really close to each of those pieces. I would say limit the amount of, of, of capital you take to only what you need. This kind of idea of like, like when the markets are good stockpiling capital, I, I do not think that, that that's the way to go. Um, I think, you know, when, when you have the business humming, you get what you need, you limit your dilution, and, and you don't go for the crazy valuations that'll kill you later. Yeah. Um, you really just use what you need and you use every single penny like as efficiently as possible. You're like you, you really, really keep track of costs. I think that's really important. Yep. I'd say third is just iterate like hell, like iterate, just constantly test, constantly get feedback, constantly make changes. Um, and, and, and you'll get to a better place at the end. You'll get there faster than your competitors will. Because, I mean, the, the kind of slow methodical, like analysis paralysis way does not work. It just yeah. doesn't. You gotta, you gotta move quick. You gotta, you gotta, you can think about what, you know, launching a certain product feature forever and then it'll be too late. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta just get it out there. You gotta test it. You got to get it out to 25% of your traffic and just test it. Yeah. That's when you really start to start, start to, to, to know what's going on. And when you can do that faster than your competitor, that's, that, that's how Shutterstock got, got big. That's why there's some competitors of Shutterstock that started in 2003 also that are not around today. Yeah. You're able to move fast. Love that. So you, I, I want to, you know, be very tactical when it comes to launching a software company, you recommend putting out a product, not making it perfect and getting the customer's feedback. Is that correct? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Getting the customer's feedback and iterating. I mean, you you, you can overanalyze and then never launch. And, and it's really important. Get something out there, test it, see what happens. And, and it's going to be different. It, it's not going to be the thing that you thought you're going to launch. Yeah. Interesting. You're launch it. You're going to get the data. A thousand iterations later, it's going to be something you, you cannot predict. <laughs> Love it. Did you have any like mentors in the tech world that you were close with as you built Shutterstock? I mean, I, I kept close to other entrepreneurs, but um, I was really heads down for, for all those years, just, yeah. just driving the business, driving the network effect getting photographers, getting buyers, changing the product and yeah. rinse, repeat. Go. What was like the, you know, the, the lifestyle as you were growing this company? Cause you know, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that they want to, they want to know behind the scenes, like what was John Oranger doing day to day and what was his, you know, his day to day habits that he was implementing to really grow the company. I would, I would work when it, when it made sense. Like I didn't have, I didn't have specific hours. I didn't have, you know, I would work when it makes sense. I would work out when it makes sense. I would go somewhere when it made sense. Like I would go with what my body was telling me with my, what my mind was telling me. I wasn't forcing it. Um, you know, I, I, I worked from remote. Sometimes I worked in the office. Sometimes, um, I constantly used my competitors products. I used my own product. Um, yeah, every day I still use Shutterstock. Just, just oh. I find stuff. I mean, it's it's important to always be in it. Um, I guess that's the thing. There's no real rule. I mean, yeah. you just gotta like whatever works. Sometimes I would just, you know, it'd be ten o'clock at night. I would have some inspiration. I'd be up all night coding. Just yeah. some days that happens. Love that. Just regarding, um, you know, recently stepping down, hiring a CEO. That's the ultimate form of delegation, in your words. Where do you spend your time now with that transition? Yeah, so I'm still the largest shareholder of Shutterstock. Um, it's a public company. I own about 45% of it. Yep. Um, so I'm chairman. I'm executive chairman, actually. And I spend about half my time with Shutterstock. Um, I spend a lot of time with Stan, who's the CEO. I spend um, the rest of my time investing. I spend some time thinking about what I'm going to incubate and start. I'm thinking a lot about that zero to one kind of thing uh, when I started Shutterstock and how, how I could put a lot of things into market, have a lot of CEOs doing that with me. Um, so I'm constantly looking for, for, for talent and for ideas to, to figure out how to, how to make that happen. It's, this is relatively new though. I just, yeah. I mean, April 1st was the, um, was the day. So I'm about 45 days into not being CEO wow. uh, after 16 years. So, so I'm trying to take it slow. I don't want to jump in too, too fast, yeah. but at the same time, uh, I'm going to do it like I did before. It's going to be fast. It's going to be things in market. It's going to be yep. quick iteration. It's going to be knowing the customer. I'm going to train CEOs to do what I did early on. Very cool. So when, you, when you're investing into a, a company, what do you look for as an investor when deploying your capital? I like marketplaces. I look for network effects. I look for businesses with entrepreneurs that run through walls. I look for um, entrepreneurs that like to iterate. I look for everything I've been talking about in another person. Um, these, that, that's what it takes. Love that. I, I want to touch on just, you know, the current state of the economy. How has this, um, you know, allowed you guys to pivot, especially at Shutterstock with 
it happening? You know, you guys are based in New York. It's really bad out there. How has this current situation with like COVID-19 affected you guys and how have you been able to pivot? Yeah, it's, it hasn't been that hard for us because we've, we've always been, I mean, we're a tech company from the start. We use all of Google's tools. Yep. So um, what's crazy is, you know, for years, that little uh, Google Meet uh, uh, link has been in every every one of our meetings. Um, and, you know, we would even sometimes, if like someone was running late and they were in the same building, uh, they would dial it to the yep. meeting. And so we were always like kind of flexible that way in that the meeting had to happen, but getting to the meeting, like from remote, you could, you could be in the same office and like, I don't have time. Like I had to work right up into the next meeting. I don't have any time to find that person. Like I'm just gonna yeah. bring them here. And so the culture was kind of built in. So when we left the office back March like 13th or whatever it was, it was like it was instant and it was okay. Uh, and I mean we're lucky. We have a business that that is is driven by people working on screens. So it's not that affected either. Um, and so it's. Uh, it happened pretty naturally. And so it's really starting to get us thinking, like, I don't know how much office space we really need. I, wow. I, you know, we have 17 offices around the world or something like that. Uh, it's definitely over 50. It's like close to 15 or, 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 or a couple more. And I, I don't know if we need all of those. Like we need salespeople in the field to sell. They need to meet with their clients. Um, but, you know, I, I talk to people every day now and, and we're, we're, you know, they're, they're pretty happy. They don't have that hour long commute in the morning and the afternoon. That's very cool. Uh, it's, it's kind of wild how much more they can do. Yeah, so, well, that's great. I think it's definitely going to change. It's going to change so many tech companies. Yeah, I, I want to ask, like, what is the future of tech companies and, you know, working remotely? And how do you see that? You know, there's Jack Dorsey tweeted how, um, you know, the employees of Twitter can work remotely forever or however they want, long they want to. So how do you see the landscape of working from home moving forward? Yeah, I think I think we're gonna learn a lot through this. There, you know, there was always the we always had people working from home. We always had people working from remote. We always had a, we had a global teams. You know, yep. so so we had to we had to work from remote. But this is this is different. This is this. I mean, it was like a click of it was like a, a switch um, turned and 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 everyone had to work from remote. Yep. Um, and it, it was a crazy task. And now. It's pretty wild. It, it ha it's crazy how naturally it happened and how naturally we work every day. Right. Um, I think a lot of things are going to change. I think people are going to, it's going it, to, it's going to be the kind of thing where you want those extra two hours, you're commuting, you want to work instead. That's fine. You know, it'll be, you know, we, we need, we need to get together as a group. Yep. We're going to get together a group in this meeting. You know, everyone has to be in person because we're doing a strategy session. It's like an offsite. It's two days. Like you got to come. So it, it's going to be like, it's going to be really clear as to what we need to yeah. do. But this whole idea that everybody has to come to an office every day, I think I'm surprised. Very it's, cool. That's an interesting insight. Not to work that way. Yeah. Do you remember, um, like, where were you at on the, the day you went public? And what was that day like for you? Because that's something every entrepreneur, you know, thinks about, hey, if I go public one day, what is it going to feel like? How am I going to respond to that? So where were you that day? And how did you feel? Yeah, it was uh, 10, 11, 12, October 11, 2012. Um, I was at the New York Stock Exchange. We were ringing the bell that morning. Uh, we rang the bell, then we walked over to the market maker that was handling our stock and we watched it open. Uh, it, it was really exciting. It was exciting, but it was also um, 
important to realize at the time, which which I, I know I did because I remember thinking this. Um, it's not. It's it, this isn't the end. Like yeah. you just sell the company. You <laughs> like you're not done. Um, yeah. In fact, it's the beginning of 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 a really um, different type of company, um, and and it was intense. I mean, we had to we we, we learned fast. I mean, we we for a couple of years we you know we did mock quarters where we you know, kind of reported to ourselves what we what we were doing. Uh, but once you go out there, it's it's rough. Um, <clears throat> being a public company is hard. It's different. It's uh, it, you know, uh, investors can come and go in a second, yep. literally. Um, it's not like it was before. Um, and, and, you know, you, you know, there's a lot of good sides. There's a lot of good, good arguments going public. Also your, your employees have equity, they can sell. And it's very clear what the value of that equity is worth. Yep. Um, uh, you, you know, every quarter you have news. It's kind of cool. Every quarter there's, there's like some, you know, people are, are, are tuning in yeah. to, to understand what's going on with, with your business, which is kind of cool. When you're private, you know, it's, it's not like every quarter, you know, they're, they're knocking at your door, which is, which is a good thing. It's, it's, you know, you have, you, you have, you have dozens of investors that are listening. Um, and, and, and that's, that's a good thing if you're a business, you want people to be listening. Um, and you know, you have analysts covering you, you have, uh, there's new rules on what you can communicate. Everybody has to learn everything at the same time. Yeah. It, it takes, there's a lot of overhead. There's SOX compliance. There's, there's stuff that, um, that, that starts to kind of weigh you down in different ways, but at the same time, you can then use your equity to build the business, which, which we've done and will continue to do. Uh, it's the ultimate, uh, kind of, kind of place to, to grow as, as a, as a medium to large size company. I mean, yep. there are, there are a few companies that figured out how to be private forever. <laughs> When did you decide you guys were going to go public and what, you know, what made that decision clear? Yeah, it was, it was probably around 2009, 2010. People didn't know how big we were. We were pretty under the, we were really under the radar. I mean, we were, no one knew we were hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. Yeah. Um, no one knew how, you know, people kind of discounted this one. They're like stock photos, you know, like, you know, they made fun of them. They, they, they didn't really know how big, it's a big market, right? People can't afford to always do their own photo shoot and visuals are what sells everything. So I think it was, it was good in that, um, you know, we were allowed to, to kind of grow and under the radar, we were kind of this elephant, you know, yep. hiding. Um, and then, uh, and then we just, we wanted to get out there. We wanted to get out there to get the bigger clients because bigger clients wanted to know how, how, uh, how solid of a business we were. Um, we wanted to get out there because we wanted to use our equity to, to, to do M and a, um, we wanted to get out there so that our employees can get some liquidity. Yep. Uh, and so, so that, that was the, that was the reasoning behind it. Um, and I knew it would put us on the map. If there weren't, there wasn't like a, we were one of the first big New York businesses to, yeah. to get out there and it was fun. Um, you know, there was, you know, for many years we had this, 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 this amazing tailwind, um, uh, where we could, we could hire anyone we wanted. You know, we were like the New York, uh, company. We still are. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of companies that have, that have since grown and become bigger than, than, than we are in New York. Um, and that's great. Also it helps the whole ecosystem. But back then I knew that when we went out, we were going to be, uh, it was going to be big news. And so it was good. It built our brand, yep. built the company up. Um, we went from, 
230 million that first year of revenue to over 600 in the in the latest year um how did you handle that growth personally and what were some of the you know the, the personal changes you had to make during that you know ex exponential growth period well i mean like i said earlier i was always challenging myself i always wanted to 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 you know i didn't want to I didn't want to not be good at it, right? So, so I, I tried to figure out how to how to do it. I mean, public company CEO is is it's an interesting job. It's um, you know, you need to suddenly run your company in in the public spotlight. You need yeah. to, and and suddenly you have you know different stakeholders you didn't have before: public investors, the analysts, um, regulators, things like that. So, um, you know, I I had to adapt. Um, but you know, a few years in, I started to realize there's probably a CEO in our future that's not me. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I started to realize that's okay. I mean, you know, I, there's plenty of things to be good at. Don't have to be good at running a thousand-person public company, right? Yeah. Um, you can be, you know, you you can kind of isolate in on on what you want to get better at, even. Um, and that's what I kind of realized over the past few years is. I want to, I want to be more, uh, in the zero to one game. I want to start more stuff. I want to continue to be good at that. Um, but at the same time, 16 years of Shutterstock knowledge is not going anywhere. And I still, I still work with the company and, and, and Stan, the CEO and our entire board and, um, in a different way. And I think I could be more productive actually this way, uh, even half the time than I was full time as CEO. That's very cool. Moving into this new chapter in your life, what are you excited about with this new time you have and, you know, creating those new products? What excites you? I think uh, I, it's the zero to one game. It's, it's starting new stuff. Uh, that's, that's what excites me the most. I mean, I make investments here or there. I mean, an entrepreneur I like. Yep. Um, I want to put some money behind them. That's exciting. Uh, the, real, the real thing I'm looking forward to, though, is starting something. And so I'm looking at whole bunch of different spaces and and kind of thinking over all the 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 issues that i've dealt with at shutterstock that have that don't have solutions that we had to build bespoke solutions for so you know just like i was thinking back in 2003 you know wouldn't it be nice to have a subscription image service where i can get whatever i needed whenever i wanted it yep. um you know i'm thinking about the problems i had at shutterstock over the past 10 years running a company that that's that big you know we you, there, there are solutions missing in the market yep. Um, there, 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 there are plenty of problems, really big ones, really like multi-billion dollar problems out there that need to be solved that have not been solved yet. Yeah. What are just regarding those multi-billion dollar problems? Do you have any, you know, key industries that stick out to you that you want to pursue? Yeah. I mean, I, I look a lot at, um, like DevOps type stuff, like data center to cloud migration, for instance, there's still so many. Uh, businesses that are that are in data centers that need to move to the cloud yep. um, and it's not easy it's like <laughs> the total headache you have to you have to remove people from uh, revenue generating opportunities at your business to do this data center migration all of a sudden and you know code that was built even 10 years ago uh, if you didn't build it for AWS is not ready for AWS it's not ready for Azure it's not ready for the cloud so you need to that, that whole there's so many different tools and services that can be that can be worked on uh, there. I think that's really big. I think there's a lot of companies that have not done that move and that need to do that move, um, and they will be doing that move. 
Um, so I think that's going to be a big area. So I would put that in like the DevOps yeah. data center in a cloud migration kind of world. Another area I'm looking at is telemedicine. Okay. Um, the behavior change that's going on right now with COVID-19 is insane. I don't think we're going back. Um, it's kind of wild. You can, you know, like, like, I mean, I wasn't even able to email with my doctor before. <laughs> now they want to meet on Zoom. Like, yeah. it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and and this is this is going to be a new normal. I, I mean, you know, going to a waiting room and waiting, um, you know, and there are a lot of things. I mean, obviously you can't get your blood drawn through a Zoom teleconference, but you you can diagnose other things. I mean, if you look at the entire behavioral therapy space, um, you know, uh, uh, like why can't, why does that have to be in person? Yeah, there's a, there's plenty of opportunities to, to make that, that better. Um, uh, also just routine medical visits. Like if you can, if you can get the measurement on, on the other side of the screen, um, imagine how much more you can do. Your patient could be anywhere. Um, so I'm thinking a lot about that. I don't think people are going back. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, people have to visit doctors, of course, but there's plenty of, of, of like, I mean, think about dermatology. Like yeah. I just, I, I had an appointment with us on zoom with a dermatologist and yeah. it was the first time I ever did something like that. <laughs> yeah. I, how, like, how did we not do that before? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, very cool. I mean, and I was even, I was asking myself, I was like, oh, I need to go to dermatologist, dermatologist. And then this happened and then, you know, looked it up online, found the right service and it was the easiest straight to the point solution, got my medicine and that was that. So that's there very cool. There you go. I think all this stuff has changed. It's changed for the better. It's changed permanently. I think there was a lot of resistance before. People didn't really know, like there was a stigma attached to it. Is it going to work? Is it, is it as safe? Is it, I mean, and, and, and you just had doctors saying no to, to everything. Um, that's going to change. Interesting. So that's an area I'm looking at. Love it. Uh, there's a few other areas also I'm looking at, but uh, those are those are the two big ones. I think. Cool. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time, John. Last question before we wrap up. Everyone has their own definition of success, but I want to ask you, what does success mean to you? Success to me, um, being able to to wake up whenever I want, work whenever I want, um, work hard, you know, build stuff, uh, but do it at my own pace and do what I want. That, that's I think that's success love it that being said where is the best place for people to stay updated on the new projects you're working on and where they where can they stay up to date with you on social or let them know yeah I think Twitter follow me John Oranger on Twitter maybe Instagram as well um, those are two good spots perfect